0: Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Hey, let me me ask you a question. Um, And I've kind of alluded to this last week. Does does anyone here who is willing to share have or have you ever had a complicated relationship with that which we call Christianity? OK, there, there are a few of us, not everyone. I realize that we draw a lot of folks in unity who have come from a various variety of other places and uh, faith formation. Have any of, you, any of you here were raised in unity? I can probably guess at least one or two hands might go up. So we have a few. Great. Welcome. So this is kind of like, yeah, this is just what we do. It's who we are. We're unity. There are some people who come to unity because this is the natural progression in their faith development. It's like, I didn't really have a problem anywhere else. I'm just, this is my next natural step. And then we have the rest of us who who had an exposure to that which we call Christianity in some way shape or form and it really wasn't soul satisfying and yet we knew that there's something there that speaks to my heart. I shared last week I was one of those people I didn't grow up in a in a in a, in a church home uh, partly because part of my family's Jewish so that could have something to do with it. Partly because my parents uh, had some experiences that were uncomfortable. And really supported my sisters and me, and understanding that we are called to be kind to one another, to love one another, to make the world a better place. And sometimes we, and and that we had the freedom and the flexibility to align with a community that worked for us, that just was a nice fit, or simply um, not have a community, but still make the world a better place. There are wonderful models of that. So in this Lenten season, I want us to invest time in practicing a Lenten practice that we refer to as eliminating negative thinking. Let's eliminate negative thinking. And so my desire in the next couple weeks today and next week and as we get closer to the Easter experience is to eliminate or in the very least or in the very most transform our relationship with that which we call Christianity. Because I've heard, uh, and and all throughout my Unity Church experience, lots of negativity directed towards this, which we call Christianity. And I think to myself, well, if we were transforming that energy to something positive, then maybe we could co-create something richer, better, more loving, more kinder, especially co-created between these two things. Or more importantly, right here in our hearts or even deep in our guts, and even in our very bones. So that's my desire for this talk today and where we are going. You know, it's interesting that Christianity has over 40,000 named denominations. So quite apparently, most of them are very small. (laughs) But this notion that we have of having difficulty with our relationship with Christianity is not unique to us. I have friends who are Jewish, friends who are Muslim, friends who are in other faith communities as well, and they say the exact same thing. It's like, my goodness gracious, you, you too? It's, yes, yeah, it's too. We're not the only ones. There's this, this challenge that exists when individuals ultimately have a relationship with an organization. Let me phrase the question again. How many of you have a difficult or a complicated relationship with an organization in your life? That might be the IRS. That might be... <laughs> Oh, I said it, didn't I? April 15th is coming up. Uh, a homeowner's association, a school, a church. Yeah, that's right, because we are dealing with individuals having a relationship with something collective. And there, I found really three problem areas where this, this shows up, especially in faith community. Uh, the first is just simple everyday annoyances like clicks, rude people, uninspiring messages, not here, poor signage, weak coffee, not here, bad jokes, that's the folks down the street, not here. You know, these are all things faith communities have in common, so yay, we're together on that. But, but that's a kind of a problem area I think we have when we come together in community. A second one are those theological issues such as who can teach, what's taught, who can lead, who can participate, what are the rules, who do we include, who do we exclude. And again, that's not just Christianity. Other traditions and religions have those same sort of issues as well. And then a third area, shadow. I mentioned this a little bit last week. And if you've ever done any uh, personal work on yourself, especially from the point of view of the analytical psychology of Carl Jung, Shadow material is something that we all have. It's one way of saying that there are places where what we say and what we do do not align with what we say we believe and what we're about. A definition of shadow is this one. The shadow as described by Carl Jung as the unconscious part of our character or personality that does not align with the ideal version of what we are aiming for. And Jung called this the ego ideal. If you've done deep discernment work, if you've worked a program, if you've done fourth and fifth steps and 12 steps, you probably have encountered this very consciously. But a lot of times our shadow elements are unconscious, whether as individuals or as an organization. And organizations have a, a personality or an identity. So shadow is often, but not always, unconscious. We may not even realize we're saying or doing the particular thing that we are saying or doing. And even if that is pointed out to us, we'll usually deny it. No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be discriminatory. I wouldn't project a bias. Well, let me give you some examples. Shadow is often projected onto somebody else. Oh, those people are immoral. Those people aren't good. Those people are doing such and such. You know, we, we project our shadow material onto some, some other folks. The challenge, and this is what we do a lot in unity, this is why we encourage self-awareness, self-growth, and understanding, is to, to find those parts of ourselves and not beat ourselves up when we find them first, but to somehow integrate them to understand where might that come from? How might I transform that energy? How might I leverage that into something really helpful and constructive? I've mentioned before, one part of our shadow is what we call bright shadow. And we see that when we engage in hero worship. We see the Superman, the Superwoman, this person we admire, that one they admire. Why do we admire them? Because there's something in them that we also have and haven't taken ownership of. So Bright Shadow is a reminder for us that we are our own superheroes, too. Let's just let our superhero out and share that gift with the world. So when I closed the service last week, I asked everybody to think about what are your thoughts and feelings around Jesus or Christianity and Christians and that sort of thing. Here's the problem. All of our faith communities are made up of one thing in common human beings doing the best we can to show up and live life. We often say, at least I often say here in unity, we're no better than any other faith community in the world. We're no worse. We simply have discerned a path that we think helps us to be helpful, to be healthy, to be happy, to be at peace, to be empowered, to create a life for ourselves that is fulfilling, and to co-create that same experience for everyone else. And so a question that I have is, how are we in unity, living up to our own ideal standard? Where might we have shadow that we can integrate and have that conversation before we really go back and do a deep dive into where we fit on this, pers- on this uh, spectrum of the 40,000 Christian denominations. Because if you think about it, we have within the Christian families of faith, folks who are in the Orthodox, very mystical traditions, the Greek Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox, Russian Orthodox. We have Pentecostal Holiness who have a very distinct worship. There are Roman Catholics who have a very distinct worship. There are Quakers who have a very distinct worship. There are unity folks who have a very distinct worship. There are Methodists who have, you know, so it's like, wow. Let's make check in with ourselves first before we start looking at the others. So I wanted to share a description and walk through it that we shared last week about what Unity is. And this one, I'm pointing it at the thing there. This one was written by a team of Unity folks in 2005. It only took 18 months. (laughs) I'm not making that up. This is the result of a lot of people working for 18 months. But have you ever worked on a committee before? Okay, you don't understand how committees work. So Unity is a positive, practical progressive approach to Christianity based on the teachings of Jesus and the power of prayer. Unity honors the universal truths in all traditions and respects each individual's right to choose a spiritual path. So I wanted to parse that apart for a moment and just ask ourselves, based on our experience with unity, Reverend Todd, this might show up in an interview next week. I'm just saying it might not. You'll (laughs) want to be prepared (laughs) What do we mean by positive? When we say that, what we mean is God is not good, but God is the goodness itself showing up as each one of us. Therefore, we don't teach original sin or that anybody is inherently bad. We teach an idea that was put forward uh, most recently by Catholic theologian Matthew Fox, original blessing, each one of us born under inherent goodnesses practical. We believe that our teachings are designed to be integrated into one's life for personal and collective good. That there are spiritual principles that undergird the the world. When We understand them. We can integrate them and create for ourselves a very practical, healthy, helpful, loving, generous life. And in so doing, support others in doing the same. This is not unique to us. Our desire is to share what is practical, progressive. We are ever-evolving and not confined to tradition or unalterable theological constructs or creeds. We have the capacity to integrate new teachings into our theology, such as spiral dynamics or the Gospel of Thomas that isn't really new, but it wasn't found until 1945, even though historical reference had been had been around for 2,000 years. We are progressive in the sense that we are always asking the question, to whom can we open our doors? And how might we make our doors accessible? So central to our teaching, central to our theology, is the development of inclusivity, diversity, equity, and accessibility. This is how we call progressive spirituality. Ours is an approach to Christianity. We recognize that there are lots of different ways to approach it, and we look at ours as uh, grounded in the Judeo Christian tradition. And part of our, uh, we are culturally Christian. You know, we're doing Lent, Easter, Advent, Christmas. We reference the Bible, the Bible is our central textbook. And that's not all. That's not all. One thing that is unique to Unity is our approach towards metaphysics. Unity metaphysics is based on the recognition of divine ideas as fundamental, eternal truths that underlie and transcends all physical manifestation. What we in Unity discern in the study of metaphysics are those realities that are true concerning the inner life of every human being, regardless of time and space and circumstance. Our approach, rather than being inherently extroverted— let's go out and convert them, is inherently introverted. Let's look and know ourselves, each one of us as an individualized manifestation of the creative magnificence of the universe. So this is an approach. It is not a demand or a command to follow a particular set of teachings. I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. We'll get back to that in a moment. So we are, when we talk about the teachings of Jesus, that's what we're talking about, more so than the teachings about Jesus. This is a fine point of theological difference. Not making any other community wrong or bad, we don't have the right to do that, but our focus is on what did he actually say? What did he actually do? What did he actually model? How might we do that as well? We look at Jesus as a mystic and a wisdom teacher, an elder brother, a way-shower. Savior? Not necessarily. With the exception that we are, quote-unquote, saved when we follow his teachings, we are saved from our own ignorance, from our own attitudes of separation and division. Based on the teachings of Jesus and, let me get back to where I was at, the power of prayer. Prayer symbolizes the spiritual practices that we teach, and we teach a lot of them. Meditation, we teach a lot of different meditation styles. We do so so that each individual can find the spiritual tools that will work for him or herself to stay connected with that which they call the divine. We honor the eternal truths in all religions, we do a lot of interfaith work, you may have noticed, because we realize we are much better together than separate. We realize that there is a lot for us to learn, and we have a lot to share with our interfaith partners. And the world is safer and more loving when that happens. And we find that it is a better for us to build bridges and not walls. And finally, we respect every individual's right to choose a spiritual path. We don't tell you our way is the only way. We will tell you that unity is here to support each man, woman, and child in understanding their own spiritual path and recognizing and awakening to the truth of their inherent worth and value and, yes, even divinity. I love it. That's what we're about. It's not dogmatic. And it's not arrogant, and we don't blame, and we don't do spiritual bypass. Or do we? When I asked some colleagues recently about this question, what would you say are the shadows of new thought? Well, in unity. And one of them said, well, our biggest shadow is we don't think we have a shadow. (laughs) Okay, thank you for sharing, because we're not perfect. And that's fine. If we were perfect, we wouldn't be here. So I I have four ideas of what I think are shadow elements in New Thought that I wanted to share with you. And when I say New Thought, I mean unity and the other families of New Thought teaching. Dogmatism. I've heard over time some folks say, well, if Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, co-founders of Unity, said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's it. I'm a true Philmorian as a term we sometimes use in Unity, or sometimes we'll say that one in particular interpretation of scripture or a teaching is the only interpretation of scripture or teaching. I'm like, oh please, really? Do we have to go there? Or worse yet, my interpretation is the only one that is right. It's typical of human beings, right? We sometimes get in that space, you know. And I found other traditions do this too sometimes. The second one is blame the victim. We have this wonderful teaching about the law of mind action in unity, meaning thoughts held in mind produce after their kind, right? If you get stuck in a loop, kind of like a hamster wheel of thought, anybody ever do that? It really shows up when you're worried about something or you're stressing about something. That has sometimes been interpreted that if you thought about it you, or if something happened to you in your life, if it's because you thought about it and you drew it to yourself, you're to blame. That's awful. We call that metaphysical malpractice. (laughs) Metaphysical malpractice. Sometimes life happens, and there are a lot of reasons why things happen in our lives. But the most uncompassionate thing you can ever do when something happens is blame the victim. We are about compassion and love. So sometimes I've seen some of our teachings be misused to blame the victim. I've seen other traditions sometimes blame the victim for what happens. Interesting. There's this other idea of spiritual bypass. Now, spiritual bypass is an interesting term. It's about the, the tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or, avo- or avoid facing unresolved spiritual issues, emotional issues, psychological wounds. It's kind of like when we will only look for the good I'm not even going to look at the problems in my life. Or when we avoid talking about the negative things that happen. Or when we misuse this faculty of denial and say that, oh, this may have happened, but it's not important anymore in my life. Or it's like pretending that things are fine when they are not fine. Oh, I prayed about it. Everything's okay now. Maybe you've seen some of that at some point in your life, somewhere along the line. And it was brought to my attention that other communities do that, too. And then, of course, the final one is, aren't we special? (laughs) Y'all remember the church lady on Saturday Night Live? Well, isn't that special? Well, aren't we special? I've sometimes heard unity folk and people in New Thought say, oh, we're not like those people. You know, those people. We're better than that. We're special. We're above all that. Really? Really? You're just doing what you're saying that they do, and now you're doing it. Arrogance. I've seen this in other communities as well. So it would appear to my mind that quite possibly those things which are shadow elements in our faith community might be shadow elements of other faith communities as well. So the onus for us is to be aware Where are we in alignment with what we say we are and who we are, and what we teach? Where are we not in alignment? And where we are not in alignment to take the steps to bring ourselves back into alignment. This week, your homework, and there's always homework, is to give some thought to what you consider to be the impact of unity in your life. Are there petty annoyances? Are there collective cultural issues that are getting in the way or that need to be transformed or transcended? Or how is this a blessing for you that you can build upon? Because next week I envision us really taking a deep dive and putting what we've talked about the last couple of weeks together and recognizing and seeing how we have encountered these difficulties at home and elsewhere, and how we can elevate and transform them. Because it truly is my desire that this Lenten season, that when we get to the spiritual resurrection symbolized by Easter, that we can recognize and say to ourselves, I have eliminated quite a bit of negative thinking. I'm ready to break free in 23 and have the best Easter I've ever had, because this year it means something more than ever. And yes, I will eat the chocolate bunny too. (laughs) Peace be with you, and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.